it's so important that everybody is a decision maker. We got into this world of self-service tools. And again, I'm not knocking it because tools are important for the right audience. But yeah. when you talk about pervasive BI and you talk about getting information into everybody's hands, even Gartner touts that BI adoption rate is less than 35%. Mm-hmm. Bark has claimed that it's less than 20%. So what about, and I'll just stick with the Gartner number, what about the other 65% of the people inside your organization? Don't they make decisions? Don't you want them to be more productive? Don't you want them to be better decision makers? And hopefully you're saying yes, but that's the thing that you wanna look at is how can we empower everybody to be better decision makers? Hello everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Dedicated On Air, where we bring together data experts to share their journey and impart their knowledge. This is Kate Stoshny, the founder of Dedicated and the host of Dedicated On Air. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dedicated Show. Today, we're going to talk to Chris Banks from Pyramid Analytics, and we're going to talk about the anatomy of a decision, the absolute crucial ingredients that you need to go from data to action. Really, really excited to have Chris Banks with me here today. We had a little chat before we went live with the show. And let me just tell you, he's got energy and I really can't wait to bring him up on stage. But before I do so, just let me know where you're tuning in from and whether or not you've heard of Pyramid Analytics, because that's going to help us really drive the conversation into the right direction. So as I said, let us know where you're tuning in from and whether or not you've heard of Pyramid Analytics. All right, I'm going to go ahead and bring Chris Banks up on our virtual stage here. Hello, Chris. Hey, Kate, how the heck are you? It's good to be here. Amazing, amazing. Welcome to the Dedicated Show. I know you've been really, you know, dying to get on the show, right? Oh my gosh, I am such a fan of the show. Fan of you. And I I was a little nervous this morning because I didn't know what to wear. And I almost put this on. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I mean, everybody has their own Batman cowl, right? But I decided not to. You know, I'm going to go with the Bruce Wayne look instead, the older Bruce Wayne look. I'm really glad you didn't put on that outfit. And interestingly, so we've got Scott Taylor here. Uh, So Scott's the guy I was telling you about um, when I said there's a guy who might match you in energy and kind of like the way you talk about data. So Scott, make sure you stick around because... Chris is awesome. So I, I think we have to have a follow on, assuming like I don't start stuttering, but I think we should have a follow on with Scott. Let us like, come on. It's like Thunderdome. Two men in, one man out. Let's just figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I think that would be fun. So, Chris, for those who are not familiar with you, I think it would be great if we start with an introduction. Who is Chris Banks? Oh, that's going to take at least an hour. Professionally. Chris. Oh, OK, OK, OK. No, I've uh, I've got decades of experience. I was a child prodigy, so I started about nine years old, but I've got uh, decades of experience in data and analytics. My first job out of school was I was a programmer for an aerospace company. And if you've ever seen the movie Top Gun with Tom Cruise, the first one, I know the new one is coming out soon. The plane that he flew in that movie was one of the planes that we manufactured at this aerospace company. So it was pretty cool back then. And then I was writing applications on Wall Street. And then from there, I started working for some software vendors and I was introduced to the reporting side of the fence back then. We didn't call it business intelligence. We didn't call it analytics. It was reporting. Uh, And then I had the pleasure of working for other software vendors throughout my career, even in the fashion industry, believe it or not. And now I find myself at Pyramid Analytics, super excited to be with Pyramid Analytics. And this is where I am now, Director of Product Marketing. Wow. Very diverse 
background. You've kind of done it all. What was your favorite job so far? Oh, boy. You know, I was a ballroom dancing instructor in between there at one point, but I got pinched a lot and a lot of widows were pinching me. That was probably one of the more exciting jobs. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. See, and also I never know if you're kidding. So let's just pretend all that was not kidding. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So uh, we've got a lot of people joining us here. We've got Fabio from Italy. Susan says, hey, hey, we got folks from, wait, Canadian in Iraq. Okay. I'm just want to make sure awesome. I read that right. That's cool. Yep. George Perkins here, Bangalore in the house, uh, Pensacola. I'm not even sure I know where that is. It's kind well, of like, oh, is it? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like you didn't know what Tajikistan was, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I did not. All right. So I think we can jump into this and begin with what is Pyramid Analytics? Because we've got the logo up here. We've got another logo over there. And I'm sure you're probably wearing, like, it's probably on the back of your shirt. You got through <laughs> analytics. So I want to, I want to get into that. And then we'll talk about decision making and really get into the topic. But let's start with what is pyramid analytics? Awesome. So we're a software vendor, an enterprise software vendor, one of the leaders in enterprise business intelligence and analytics. In fact, we've gotten great accolades this year, 2021, a lot of number one rankings from the BARC BI and analytics survey, 92 number one rankings. Dresner Wisdom of Crowds, we were a leader in both the vendor credibility as well as the customer experience models, perfect recommend score, and Gartner's critical capabilities report. And something I want to point out, because a lot of field folks, when they're looking at vendors, look at the magic quadrant. And the best dot position doesn't necessarily mean the best product. And if you look at the Gartner critical capabilities report, we were actually ranked number one for visual self-service analytics. So we're very proud about that. In fact, the four BI use cases that they have in there, we were one of the top leading vendors in those as well. So we've gotten tremendous accolades around analytics and what really makes us different, and it's something that we're certainly going to be talking about today, is the fact that with analytics, your goal, right, is to get people to use it. And the more people that use it, this is where you're going to get the return on your investment, where you're going to make them more productive, better decision makers. And one of the things that we provide is the breadth of functionality. And, and this is something we'll probably talk about later, but I'm a big believer of walking before running, right? A lot of organizations may not even have analytics, especially in the mid-market arena, and they run their businesses on Excel. And they just want to say, hey, you know, I, I need to get BI, I need to get analytics, you know, what should I get? And it, that's not what you should be doing. You need to be taking a step back and say, what are our business challenges? What is it that we're looking to solve? And let's attack it that way. And one of the great things about our technology is that we're a platform, we're not a tool, but a platform and the breadth of functionality, bar none, is probably the best at that in the industry. And we can scale and give you the best performance out there as well. So while a lot of our competitors are built on decades old technology, we rebuilt everything from the ground up just a few years ago to give you the best performance and scalability against any data inside your organization, blended data in the cloud, on-prem, you name it. So that's really our goal is to empower everybody with trusted analytics. Awesome. Thank you for that. And congratulations on scoring really high across all of these different criteria. My question to you is, why do you think Pyramid has done so well, right? Why are you getting these number one ratings or, you know, highly recommended vendors and all that? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with being an innovator, delivering information, not data, but turning that data into information and delivering that in different ways. 
and also giving the results. I mean, our technology works. And I think what happens a lot with organizations when you're talking about trying to be data-driven, trying to be better decision-makers, they purchase the technology, they make an investment, and they're not getting the results that they were looking for. And they might just scrap it altogether or go back to the old ways that they were doing before. And that's one of the things that we do is deliver results and really help organizations be successful. Awesome. Thank you. So we are here to talk about the anatomy of a decision. And I think it's fair to start with maybe what are some of the components of a data-driven decision? Love it. You know, I'm going to refer to, and it's something that we can certainly provide a link to, McKinsey and Company did a report not too long ago. And you'll find a plethora of articles on the Harvard Business Review, also Forbes Magazine, CIO Magazine, that talks about being data-driven and the importance of data-driven and the ingredients of being data-driven. But what I like most about McKinsey is they talk about the trillions of dollars worth of value worldwide that you can take advantage of by leveraging analytics inside your organization. And the organizations that really did it well, they called them breakaway companies. And the breakaway companies outshined everybody else in three unique areas. And the first one is probably the most important one, which is an alignment on strategy. And that goes back to what I was talking about before. What are the challenges that we're having and what are we trying to accomplish with this investment that we're making? But that alignment on strategy has to start at the very top, your C-levels. You've got to get the buy-in. You've got to make sure that everybody is on board and what we're trying to accomplish with the investment that you're making. Then the next step is making the right investment in data and technology and also people, right? If you're going to start looking at things like AI or machine learning, predictive analytics, you may have to hire somebody that has that expertise like a data scientist to help you be more successful around that. But you also want to leverage people with the insight to help you move that needle forward, right? Yeah. And then the last one is really improving your decision-making processes. Kinsey talks about embedding BI and analytics and not literally, but what are we doing today? How can we automate that? How can we make it better by leveraging the technology investment that we've got? Got it. Thank you for that. And we've, we've got several, several questions that are coming in right now. So I think I'm going to start with a question I saw from George and now I missed it because it went, okay, there you go. Oh no, sorry, Deepak. Uh, let's start with Deepak's question here. The question is, can pyramid analytics be used by individual users or is it mainly for enterprise solutions? Great question, George. We offer you the flexibility of how you want to deploy that. So if you're looking to go to a handful of users, absolutely, you can do that. But I would say that you'll be more successful by empowering more people inside your organization with the investment that you make, whether it's with us or somebody else. So yeah, we can certainly do a handful of people, but I would take or I would even say that what we can help you do is empower a lot more people with the investment with Pyramid Analytics, you know, mm -hmm. offering you that flexibility and how to deploy information out to even the non-technical business users. Yeah, you mentioned earlier on that you companies might get a higher ROI on the tool if you can get more people to use it. So I guess a follow-up question on that would be, how do we actually get more people to use it? Let's say 10 people use it now and we want 20 people to use it. <clears throat> Well, so that's where you need collaboration, right, between IT and the business. And it's one of the, the challenges that I see with organizations is that we've become such a self-service tool world that IT has been left in the dark and pushed aside and different departments are making their decisions on how they want to get analytics and use analytics. And now I've got a few tools inside our organization 
But keep in mind, tools are great for the right audience, but understand that you probably have a lot of non-technical business users inside your organization that might be struggling with the tool. And I've got a prop, Kate. Are you ready for a prop? It's prop time. Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. So one of the things that you and I discussed, I've dabbled in commercial photography, and this is my camera, right? This is my digital camera. It's a phase one medium format camera. And if I was in front of all of you right now live and I said, hey, here's my camera, and I really wouldn't hand it to you because it's too darn expensive, but I would say, hey, I want you to take a picture of the person next to you and so on and so on and so on. I will guarantee you that many of the folks would take my camera, gently put it aside, and they'd probably pull out their smartphone. And the reason being is that my camera, while it takes beautiful pictures, it's all manual driven and you need to know, understand how to use it and how to set the aperture and the shutter speed and depth of field and how am I going to compose it and where's the shutter to click on this thing? Where, when you look at something like your smartphone, um, which has amazing cameras these days, they're easy to use. And I think the ingredient for any organization, if you're struggling with being a data-driven organization today, or you haven't even dabbled yet with BI and analytics, whatever you invest in, make it easy to use. If you make it easy to use, people will use it. And that's where you're going to drive up the adoption. So keep that in the back of your mind that tools are great for certain users, but for the people that don't want a tool, but are looking for information and make them a better decision maker, make them more productive, and you want to deliver information out to them, make it easy for them to do it. Maybe just an email that has a chart in it is helping them get the insight that they're looking for this so that they can make a better decision. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the point of trying to make it as easy as possible. Um, I'm going to refer back to one of my prior roles was data insights manager at a company. And the other way we actually increase this adoption rate is not only making it easy, but also showing people what could be done, right? So if we're going back to your camera analogy, show people the potential outcome of this really, really cool tool that you've got there versus, um, I mean, I know the phones take really good pictures these days, but I'm sure you can do something. No, you can do something. No, they do. They do. Uh, I'm not not even going to challenge that. It's sad (laughs) that I've got all this photography equipment around me. And, uh, you know, my wife's smartphone is probably one of the best cameras that's out there right now. So uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see if, if those cameras last, you know, because I know I personally, I'm not going to buy a camera because I have this and, you know, what's the the point? I click one button, it does what it's supposed to do. But I still, I know that uh, people still hire photographers and uh, they they go to special places and studios to take pictures. And my brother actually takes pictures, um, well, for passports, but still they go to him because the phone's just not cutting it. Absolutely. Um, All right. Going back to some of our questions here, Fabio is asking, is there a course or book or something that he can use to learn pyramid analytics and get certified if if that's possible? Fabio Chesedice. That's my Italian. Um, It's Campanini, but okay. Campanini. Fabio, absolutely. If you go on to, I'll tell you what, we have a very, very thorough YouTube channel. And if you search on pyramid analytics there, you're going to find a plethora of information um, and we're in the midst of adding a lot more e-learning available up on our website. The beauty of our platform, to be honest with you, is that after a couple of days of education, you're good to go and you will fly through our platform and see immediate results. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Scott's here. Uh, he's 
back here and he's asking us. So he read the headline, right? We're here to talk about the anatomy of a decision. So he's asking about some examples. So let's, let's, that's great, Scott. Um, you know, we talked about McKinsey, some of the challenges that organizations face because, hey, I want to drive my performance. I want to be a breakaway company and I want to get aligned on a strategy and have the right foundation of technologies and embed analytics. But reality, the challenges that organizations are facing today, and I want to start with data, right? Data access isn't so simple. And that's a challenge for many organizations. And this is why while real-time access may not be the, the best solution for most organizations, we live in a very much of a data mart, data warehouse, data lake world. Um, the other challenge as well is having multiple versions of the truth for organizations that run their business on Excel. We all know that it's very easy to make a change. And now I've got multiple versions of that same Excel spreadsheet. We're walking into a meeting and Kate is telling me the number is th 33 and I'm saying it's 37 and one of us is right, one of us is wrong. And now we have to right. read about the meeting. And then also the current technology investment that's out there that you may have may be outdated. And that's a challenge for you as well. But going back to data literacy, we're not even going back to it, talking about it, making empowering of everybody, empowering as many people inside your organization to be a better decision maker. That should be really your goal with um, the anatomy of better decision making. But going back to data access, give you an example. One of our customers that we've got is a, a global retailer with over 32 different brands that they've got. And one of the challenges that they had was accessing data. And they had a 20, 20 million row record file that their current investment that they had, which happened to be one of the leaders in the Gartner Magic Quadrant, I'm not going to name who it is, but they had used that technology and it could handle 20 million records. Oh. Now, going back to my days, right, working for an aerospace company, that was a lot of data. Today, that is not a lot of data. And that was one of their immediate challenges is just accessing the data they want to access. And immediately that vendor was telling them, well, we need to pull that data out and extract pieces of it so that we can read it. You shouldn't have to adapt to a vendor. A vendor should be adapting to you if anything mm -hmm. changes over time. So that was one of their challenges that they had. And certainly with Pyramid Analytics, that was something that we immediately helped them with, as well as blending other disparate data inside their organization. So while a lot of organizations may require multiple tools to accomplish that from a data modeling standpoint, from an ETL standpoint, um, I also have old legacy reporting over here. And then, hey, data discovery, taking data, turning that into insights. I want to do that with visualization. Now you have so many different products, but and you're getting different answer sets from all of that. So going back to what I was saying, one platform serving all your needs and then staying with you on that digital transformation journey, right? Where are you looking to go today? What are you looking to do tomorrow? And having a vendor with you to drive with you on that journey. Yeah, I think that's really important. A vendor that can actually scale when you scale and not overwhelm you when you're not quite there yet. I think that's really important. I wanted to take a couple more questions from the audience here. Uh, Johannes is asking, how do you suggest for small companies or small organizations to adopt data-driven decision-making when financial resources to cloud services or data tools is limited? So that is certainly a challenge. I've had a, a lot of experience working with mid-market. Uh, I was an AS400 guy a lifetime ago and a J.D. Edwards guy and worked with a lot of smaller vendors that are saying, hey, I get this whole value add with the trillions of dollars that McKinsey's talking about, but I just don't have a budget yeah. to accomplish that. 
And I think if you look at the challenges that you've got today and where it's preventing you from doing today, and this is where you got to go right back up to the C-level organization and get the budget because the value proposition and the value add that you can get from analytics will certainly be or should be a lot more than what the investment is for you to get analytics in the first place. And don't get so wrapped up with cloud. You don't have to start in the cloud if you don't need to start in the cloud. Again, go with a vendor who's going to adapt to your needs. And that's the most important thing, because if you want to walk before you run, but don't start on-prem. And I want to be browser-based, start on-prem. And you know what? Maybe later down the road, we're going to go up into the cloud and start making some reductions inside our infrastructure where cloud makes sense. But if it doesn't make sense, then don't do it. You don't have to be pigeonholed into doing something that only because that vendor allows you to do it. But what if everyone else is doing it, Chris? So uh, I I feel like in in some cases, companies try to do things just because other companies are doing it, right? Oh, they're moving to the cloud. Maybe I need to do it. In other cases, clearly it makes sense for them. But I definitely agree with you. Wait until you're actually ready to do that. And having a vendor that can help you along the way is really helpful. Um, And it comes down to cost justification too, right? I mean, it's if you want to make that investment of going to the cloud, well, what is it that you're going to be reducing inside your organization so that the cloud makes sense? And mm -hmm. again, everybody is different. Yeah. So going back to decision-making, my question to you is, who do you think in an organization is responsible for making these data decisions? I think I know what you're going to say. I should write it on a paper and then like lift it, but... I dare you. Go on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, you say it and then I'll lift my paper. Oh, I hope we're right. Imagine if I say the CEO. Is that what you wrote down? No. Now, um, who makes the decisions? Who are the decision makers? Everybody is is my Wait, answer. Can you guys see that? Everyone. Oh, look, look it's this. not even backwards. Yay, I got one right. <laughs> awesome. No, you got to keep that in mind, guys. I mean, it's so important that everybody is a decision maker. We got into this world of self-service tools. And again, I'm not knocking it because tools are important for the right audience. But when you talk about pervasive BI and you talk about getting information into everybody's hands, even Gartner touts that BI adoption rate is less than 35%, right? Mm -hmm. Bark has claimed that it's less than 20%. So what about, and I'll just stick with the Gartner number, what about the other 65% of the people inside your organization? Don't they make decisions? Don't you want them to be more productive? Don't you want them to be better decision makers? And hopefully you're saying yes, right? But that's the thing that you want to look at is how can we empower everybody to be better decision makers? The technology is out there, but you've got to look at your use case, what's unique to you, what's preventing you from getting there. What is it that you're looking to solve as a business challenge for you? But then how can we empower more people to get that information? And again, the secret sauce, and it's Regardless of who you go with, it's making it easy to use, understanding your business users, understanding their sweet spot, their comfort zone. Because if you can offer them the flexibility of getting the information that they're looking for in their comfort zone, they're going to use it and they're going to be a better decision maker and be more productive. Yeah, I think when we talk about decision making for everyone and everyone having access to data, I think data literacy is something that we typically try to bring up because If we give the power or access to everyone, right, to connect to almost any data source and come up with their own decisions and answers to their questions, one issue, and I've definitely seen this firsthand, is when people take the tool, you know, these tools are so easy to use. You drag, drop, click, connect, boom, chart, look, decision. 
I love it. But sometimes the data either didn't blend correctly or you clicked something that might have filtered something out or didn't filter something out that you should have. So how do we bridge that gap of having people access, you know, give, give people access to the data and the tool, but also taking them along this data literacy journey? So that's one of the challenges that's out there with all these tools. Um, and it kind of falls back into Excel, right? Is that you've got, especially living in a disconnected world, like what many of us still are, we're not quite there yet out of this COVID that's been going on for over 18 months. But what's happening is people are downloading data, right? Now I've got my own little silo and I'm going to start using a tool against that data. And I'm assuming the data is correct. And I'm assuming it's the right data that I should be using. And all of a sudden I'm getting an answer set. And then Kate's getting an answer set. And this person's getting an answer set. And that person's getting an answer set. Could be the same data, could be different data. I don't know. And this is the challenge that we're seeing out there is that without any data governance, right? Controlling what people are accessing and then getting that, that information to start allowing them to use that tool to get at that, that's where you're creating the chaos again. And that falls back into as well, trusting your data, right? New Vantage Partners. Um, there's a great article and I think we're going to supply you with the link to it, but they came out with a survey. It was the big data and AI executive survey. They come out with one every year. And Is that with Randy? Randy Bean? I don't know. Okay. I, 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 okay. Maybe. I, if it is, I'm going to say yes, it's Randy. But 78% of decision makers didn't trust their data. So for you analytics folks that are out there and you're building the most beautiful visualization and it's interactive and it's actionable, which we didn't even talk about yet, but you're allowing this great, beautiful thing and your executives looking at it going, uh, I, don't, I don't believe it. I don't trust the data, right? And then the other caveat that they came out with is 72% of analysis is done offline in a desktop tool like Excel or like one of these tools. It's yeah. not done connected to the right data at the right time and what I want you, Kate, to be accessing. So you've got to keep that in mind, too, around data governance and giving the ability so that when Kate signs in, I'm controlling what Kate should be looking at. She has the most up-to-date data. This is going to help us be more successful as opposed to, hey, I'm going to, Kate got an email from Cliff and Cliff sent her this Excel spreadsheet and this is what Kate's going to be using. Well, she's assuming Cliff got the right data and we don't know where Cliff got it because Cliff got it from Tom and Tom sent it to Cliff. And this is where, you know, you, we run into the not trusting the data part, right? So keep that in mind too, is data governance is so important yeah. about controlling that because that's where you're going to be successful. I laugh because you're definitely bringing back memories for me where there was a Tom and a Cliff sending each other data. And sometimes they would clean the data a little bit before sending, which meant they messed it up a little. And then, you know, finally makes it your way. And then you create your beautiful dashboard and someone goes to check the actual data source. And they're like, this doesn't check out. So therefore, I no longer trust Kate's report because it doesn't match the data source. And I'm like, Ah, they sent it to me like this, you know, or maybe there's like a, a date that's off and then the data no longer matches. So that can be very frustrating. So I agree. Data governance, very, very important. And all it takes is one time. And you know that, right? It takes right one now. time for that decision maker to say, okay, so you're giving me bad data and I'm about to pull the trigger. I'm making a decision. I'm glad I didn't. So I don't know if I'm going to trust you the next time, right? Because now I'm going to double check. And so that, yeah. that's not the that's not what we want to do. We want to be more productive, not less productive. All right. So right. it's important to have the governance there. Yeah. I mean, it's like a friendship, right? You can have a really long 20 year long friendship and you're, you know, have all these great moments. And then one person messes up and you're like, well, 
that could be the end of it. And you're not going to think of all the 20 years of uh, good times. You're going to remember that one time where you got really screwed over. So not that I have any friends that's really not I would never do that to you, Kate. <laughs> Chris, I mean, no. <laughs> all right. So let's get back into questions. So Johannes is asking, where is pyramid analytics used? Any industry use cases? I know you talked about a couple so far, but if you've got another popular use case for maybe specific industries that you cover, I think that would be good to answer. Here. Yeah. I mean, so the beauty of a platform is that we cover all industries and we have customers. I mentioned a retailer. We have customers in government and healthcare, manufacturing, finance, education, you name it. But one of the other use cases that I'll share with you that I, I just love to talk about, because we're talking about high adoption, right? That's where you're going to get the return on investment. And that should be your goal is getting people to use it is the Department of Veteran Affairs here in the U.S., the VA. And the VA has over 100,000 users leveraging our technology internally, upwards of 46,000 concurrently on at the same time, leveraging over 200 data sources. And, you know, it's just communication has become better. Productivity has become better. And it, that's the underlying benefits that you can get from that. But we're empowering a heck of a lot of people by leveraging the technology investment that they've made. And that's something you've got to keep in mind because a lot of vendors will tout, oh, we can scale, no problem. You know, we've got analytics at scale. Absolutely. You should buy our technology. But when you put the proof in the pudding and see that they hit a wall and sometimes either they crap out or worse, they might start giving you bad answer sets back, which is even worse than just crapping out. It that is. becomes a problem, right? Because then you don't know it, that I've got yeah. bad data in front of me. And then I'm like, hey, we need to close that, you know, Chick-fil-A store over here. And, and all of a sudden, what? You know, that's not the case. The sales were up. And uh, that's the type of insight that you want to make sure you avoid yeah. in getting that. Absolutely. I think this is a really good example. So you said over 100,000 users, 200 data sources. I'm assuming they didn't start with that, right? So did Absolutely they not. And again, and Kate, you know, I'm preaching to the choir with you and many of the folks that are listening is that digital transformation is a journey. It's not something you get like, hey, hi, I'd like to buy your digital transformation software. Uh, here's a check. That's not it. It's a journey and it's a progressive journey. And you start with the use case. And what's the challenge that you're having? Let's solve that challenge. Hey, you've got our technology. What other use cases can we start attacking with the technology and more users? And this is how you start expanding inside an organization and being able to give you that performance and scalability on their ecosystem. You know, we're not going to make you buy more hardware and more memory that some of the vendors out there aren't talking about, but that's going to be required in order for you to scale, not even to a hundred thousand but maybe to 1,000. So, I mean, that that's a challenge that you've got to be aware of when you're making a decision. Do your due diligence with the comparison against other vendors. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a test run is also really good. You're not going to buy a car without doing a test run, right? You want to see I that. would. I don't really drive, so I can, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to look for. Well, but yeah, Kate, I've got a car for you in my driveway right now, and I want to sell sure. it to you. I'm sure you do. Uh, all right, let's take more comments. We've got Lori Silverman in the audience. Hi, Lori. Haven't heard from you in a while. So she's talking about empowering people to make better decisions and collaborating all things that you've said right around. So she's asking, what are the decision making steps? If people don't have a methodology to collaborate around, they're all going to approach decision making differently. So do you 
think it's necessary to have this decision-making methodology or clear steps that people should take in an organization. Yeah. And that, and that falls, and that's a great point. It falls back to what I was talking about with McKinsey and company. That first step is alignment on strategy. Mm-hmm. You've got to get your decision makers all in a room, starting at the top, but also the key decision makers inside your organization so that we do have an alignment on strategy. What is it that we're looking to accomplish? How are we going to attack that? And which product or products are we going to use with that as opposed to silo decision making? Because too often we see organizations that have pockets of this product and pockets of this product. And by the way, I've got a budget. Hey, we all have a budget and I'm going to spend it on this product. And now all of a sudden we're getting the different answer sets. And this is where, again, it falls back into that. So alignment on strategy is the first thing that you've got to start with. And it starts with the data, right? You got to make sure you're accessing the right data at the right time. And don't be pigeonholed into, you know, being told, well, you know, um, yeah, we can access that data. Absolutely. But let's first put it in a data mart over here on this operating system where we're more comfortable. You know, you don't have to do that. The technology Mm -hmm. that's out there today should allow you to do what you need to do and offer you that flexibility and freedom. Yeah. So would you say that putting it into like a data mart type of thing would slow the process down or complicate things? No, I, you know what? We live in a data mart, data warehouse, data lake world for sure. And operational systems, again, depending on your environment that you've got today, I mentioned I was an AS400 guy back in the day, and we used to be at 96% running production. And the last thing we want are business users pounding on that and just driving that machine up. Um, so a data mart or a data warehouse would make sense to put it over in this box. And now let's all use our analytics against that. But what I, what I was saying about that, though, is don't let a vendor push you into doing something you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if it makes sense for you, absolutely. But if it doesn't make sense or if you've got some pockets of people inside your organization, like a CEO that wants to know the real-time pulse as to what's going on today, mm-hmm. um, what's customer satisfaction at, what, what are sales at today, how many right. returns did we have, how, you know, how many dissatisfied customers do we have. Let me know that information real-time because I need to know what we need to do and start moving the chess pieces so that we can attack it proactively instead of reactively. Yeah, thank you for that. You mentioned not letting a vendor kind of pigeonhole you into something you might not need to do. So I know a lot of companies out there are looking for the vendor of choice for data analytics and, you know, finding that one-stop shop that can do it all. How many vendors do you recommend an organization look at or interview before making their decision? That's a great question. And I don't know if I have an answer for you for that. Pick you a number. Def- the meaning of life, Chris. Just pick one. <laughs> Six foot two. Okay. You because- told me you're going to say that. <laughs> I did it. I would say do your due diligence. You know, time is money and you could probably sit there and look at 20 vendors and take a year to make an evaluation. And now we just lost all that time. I would say definitely if you send out an RFI to know what value proposition that they can help you provide, weed down all the vendors that are replying to that to maybe five and then the five get down to three. And then I would have a bake off at that point and Mm -hmm. have them come in. But here's the thing you want to do your data, your system. Don't let somebody say, hey, you know, in one week's time, what we'd love to do is take your data and we'll put it over here on our, and let you see what we've done with your data. Baloney, it's got to be on your system and it's got to be your data where it resides. So you can pick and choose what that is going to be. But again, this is going to open up to show you an apples to apples comparison. Because Mm -hmm. else, if you're going to start pulling data out and letting vendors use it on their systems, 
who could jack up that system and have more memory than God. And once they're running a request, it comes back like that. And then you install it internally and it comes back in a day. That's not the comparison that you want to see. So I would recommend bringing it down to three, have your final three, have them come in, let them bring their software in, your system, your data, show us what you've got and do a comparison. Yeah, I really love the your system that um, comment because you always hear those comments, but it works well on my machine, right? So, oh, and how many times have we both so. seen that, Kate, over all the years, right? Yeah. You know, again, I was a child prodigy, so uh, I was there longer. But no, it's you've got to do that because it's it's important for you to get that investment. You're making an investment. You know, yeah. you're not going to certainly sit there and go, "Hey, I want to buy a car." Well, let us show you the car over here. So, um, and then and here you go. It's in your driveway. And it's like, that's not the car. I, why isn't it going faster? You know, and, <laughs> well, it went fast on my track. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Chris, let's take a few more questions. We've got George Furikin. He's asking, what are the things that you're looking forward to tackle at Pyramid Analytics? I guess what's next? What's coming up? What's on the horizon for Pyramid? Look at you, George, asking the tough questions. Wow. You know, it's what's cool about Pyramid Analytics, and I've been there a few months, and what, what drew me in was the technology. Blew me away. I couldn't believe the capability that we had. And then I had was lucky enough to have an interview with our CTO, who I think mm-hmm. is brilliant. And this guy is so forward-thinking and is just bringing in more and more functionality into the power of our platform. And that is what's neat about working at Pyramid Analytics is the what's next and what we're enabling and what we're empowering. We have codeless AI and machine learning built into the product, codeless. So if you're looking to use predictive analytics, you don't have to sit there. We generate it dynamically for you. Tell us what model you want to use and bam, you're getting some insight based upon your historical data. That is awesome. And then more stuff coming like that that we're empowering, but there's just so much neat things that our CTO is enabling inside our product. And what's cool too is working for a young company. If you're really interested, take the time and read some of the articles by Omri Cole, our CEO, or watch him on video. He is larger than life. And Kate, I know you've interviewed him. It was one of the first things I saw with you actually at your dedicated conference. And it was great. It was a great interview with him. Awesome. Um, thank you for that. Yes, I, I have fun at all of the interviews. And it really helps when the interviewee... I'm- Hope I'm saying that correctly. It's it's very engaging. Yes, yes, Chris. It's a compliment, Chris. Yay. <laughs> Let's see. We've got George back. He's saying, you know, it's always great to test it with your data, right? Back to your point on that. And it, but it's hard when the data includes PII and the software is on the cloud. And then he also defines hard is that you know the time it takes to get all the approvals for legal. So how do we address that? security issue. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly you can sign off, have a vendor sign off on all the disclosures that they need to sign off on um, mm-hmm. to protect yourselves for sure. And in the cloud, I mean, that's something that depending, I mean, offering the flexibility, your vendor of choice should be able to run their software in your cloud. It takes a little more time though, as you know, especially from a security standpoint. So that's going to be a little tougher to figure out. But if you can get all your T's crossed and I's dotted, you should be able to get that done. I usually dot my T's and cross my I's, but you know, whatever, whatever you like. So we've got a question here from Ravit, Ravit Jain in the house. So he says, great insights. When do you realize that you've made the right decision, right? We're talking about these data-driven decisions. Yeah. Can we make changes during ongoing operations that work? 
Totally. Here I am answering the second question first. Absolutely, you can. To answer your question is, how do you know you've made the you know right decisions? What's the impact that it's having? What's the value that it's empowering your business users with? Are they becoming more productive? Are they gaining insights faster than ever before? Are they being better decision makers? That's the ground roots of what you want to see the impact of. Also, having happy business users where they're coming back to you saying, oh my God, this is awesome. You saved me a day's work. That's when you can start calculating out your ROI, right? Or when you've got multiple people who were taking hours upon hours to get information that they were looking for, and then now you're electronically delivering them that information. It's in their email and they're driving in their car or they're getting on a plane and they can start gaining the insights that they're looking for. That is huge. When you can save time that's where you're going to get that tangible ROI and see the biggest impact around that. All right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with all those points. I think it goes where we've gone full circle to see if you've made the right decision is, are people actually using it? Is this part of their day-to-day nature or are you forcing them? Like I've seen some companies say, you'll be punished if you don't use this report and you go back to your old ways. I think in, in other cases, I've seen that they track usage and say, okay, you know, Chris, you haven't logged in enough this week, you know, maybe click on it a little bit. Let's, let's prove that we're actually using this tool. I don't think it needs to come to that. I think building something that's truly useful for the business where they need it, they ask for it. And I think that's just a gap at the moment where a lot of companies, you might have these data people that are so excited. They come to you. They're like, by you, I mean business. They come to the business and they have this great solution. And the business is like, just let me work. I just want to do what I do. I don't want to learn a whole new thing. So again, I guess goes back to making it as easy as possible. Yeah. And giving them maybe something that they don't currently get, because a lot of times we see companies coming in and replacing the current report or replacing the exact layout and you know the way that people are used to doing things, because that's what they think they want. But what I've seen personally is if you give them some more functionality without overwhelming them, like the ability to drill down, which I know Pyramid has the the ability to kind of filter into different views and cut the data in different ways. I think that's when the business or the people start to realize like, wow, I can actually use this. And can you also add this? And then they won't leave you alone because then they're like, can you add this functionality? And I also like to see that. And, And I would add to that, making the insights actionable is where you'll get more of an impact. So answering the what is always great, right? What are sales at? What's profitability at? How many returns did we have today? How many customers asked for the manager today? That type of insight is great. But if you can give now provide the why, right? Mm-hmm. What are sales at? They're at $20 million. Why? And give me that action so that I can click on that drill anywhere you want. That's, can't, you know, it could be the same data. Maybe it's another data source altogether. Guess what? Your business user doesn't care. They want to get the answer that they're looking for. And as Kate pointed out, you made a great point. Give them something that they didn't have before, right? Give them a reason to use it. But I agree with you, Kate. You do not want to sit there and monitor them and beat them and say, hey, Kate, you haven't logged in again. That's not the approach. And you're just going to have unhappy business users. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned the what, which in this case, let's say $20 million in sales. And you mentioned the why, and you can pull up kind of why you're making this. I think the the third aspect, uh, which which is helpful, is the so what, right? Like, so what? So it's $20 million. Is that good? Is that bad? 
So giving people something to compare it to easily is also really helpful. And again, all this whole conversation is really bringing me back to my reporting days where people were blown away because they can see, you know, their revenue for this year and last year. They're like, whoa, I can compare two numbers. This is crazy. Right. Uh, it was a game changer because usually they just got the one number and that was right. that you know, step up. Or just have a green arrow going up meaning that we're doing better than we were last year or red arrow going down. I mean, there's so many different ways of delivering that, but know your business users. You've got to collaborate with them. It's so important to have that alignment between IT and business for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So George is saying it would be a good idea to see a demo next time we do this, because I know we're running out of time, but uh, I know you guys have this 10 minute data to insight series at Pyramid. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? If people want to see a demo and you know where they can find that? Absolutely. So, so that's a great point, George. You know, our platform is is very comprehensive, and I wouldn't do it justice to sit here and even just show you a minute's worth to show you a dashboard or a report or insights. But what we do have a series coming up, um, and we're sharing the link with you, is raw data to insights. It's a ten minute demo to show you how quickly we can go from raw data and share insights with our technology. And it's something definitely to look for. You'll see a live demo, some, some of the best SEs in the market that we've got that'll showcase that for you so you can see it firsthand for sure. We're also doing some live events. I'd be curious to know from your audience whether or not they would even attend with COVID being here for the past 18 months. We're excited to be producing some live events again. We have a Top Golf event coming up in Dallas in a few weeks, and we also are planning a few others along the way. So I'd be curious to know if your audience is ready for that to go to attend a live event or not. Um, yeah, let's ask them. Guys, ask them. would you know. go to an in-person event? Well, live, they're at a live event now. It's a virtual live event. I'm not. I'm not. This is like ex machina. I'm not really live. I'm a robot. <laughs> oh yeah let's <laughs> i mean i feel like people at this point they know what life <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking about an in-person event is that something that you'd be interested in attending well um, uh let's see carrie yes carrie would i would be able to who else who else is ready for in-person events maybe not the one in dallas because that's like in a few weeks but Future events. Who's ready to go back to in-person events? Maybe an executive luncheon at a Morton Steakhouse or Capitol Grill or, or Smith and Walensky's. Paintball. What else? Mini, mini golf. What else? Mini golf. Time to axe get back throwing. out. Isn't axe throwing big these days? I did that. So I did that for, I think it was my birthday earlier this year. Yeah. How I did actually did the axe throwing. So my husband surprised me. I didn't know where we're going. I didn't know what to wear. And he's like, whatever you're wearing is fine. I'm like, okay. But until we got there, I had no clue. I was really surprised. I was pretty good. We had to like pop balloons on the wall and um, he scored oh. higher than me, but it was really interesting. Awesome. So Fabio would go, but he's in Europe. I mean, Hey Fabio, we're a worldwide company. So you know what? We're going to keep you posted when we have something in Italy. George, George is going to go. Everybody's interested. interested. Cool. And uh, Scott, you know, as long as you get his <laughs> You good. got it, Scott. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So, Chris, before we wrap up, I actually have a question for you. So you mentioned this a couple of times, the child prodigy thing. And I never know if you're joking. Were you really a child prodigy? I mean, tell me more about that. No. <laughs> no. Is that a child prodigy? What are you, crazy? But how does it No, I've you? got... No, I, I, <laughs> I am not a child prodigy. Um, <laughs> I was a grease monkey throughout high school. And uh, do you know what a grease monkey is? 
Is it somebody who puts like a lot of gel in their hair? <laughs> no, no. Somebody that was into cars, working on cars. Oh, okay. That was going to be my next guess, actually, because you're under the car. But then I was talking, thinking about the Grease movie and I got all, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, no, I was uh, a very hands-on car guy. And uh, I am not a child prodigy. I was kidding about that. But I was trying to like protect my age because I'm a little older. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were doing that or if you really just were a child prodigy. So I had to ask before we wrap this up because I, you know, I couldn't wait until we wrap it up. And Carly has sent the link. So guys, go ahead and check that out. 10 minutes for the demo. 10 minutes. Easier than sitting through an hour of me, you know. Oh, come on, Kate. It doesn't get any better. Well, interviews. When am I coming back? When are you coming back? I don't know. I, I, we have to figure that out. I'm excited. I have other props. I might even wear the Batman cowl next time. But you know what I have to do? I've got to put the black makeup on under the eyes because then it, it looks better. You know what we need to do is have you and Scott here on camera and then I'll just leave because I'll just... Does he have a costume? He has to have a costume. He has costumes. He has puppets too. He does puppets with data. Yeah, Scott, this is your plug right here. He is the data whisperer. He has a chief dog officer, the CDO, and then he's got got like puppets. The ITB. And yeah, you have puppets too, really? Yeah. Oh, this is good. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is great. Scott, you guys need to get together and do some. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm not going to wear the Batman cowl. I'll just get my puppet. Well, surprises. Don't, you know, don't tell us yet. He might wear the Batman costume. People might join just for that. So, yes, Carrie wants to work there. So she loves dressing up. (laughs) And then I have to do like the Batman voice. Uh huh. So, in your Batman voice, Chris, can you tell people where they can go if they want to continue this conversation, if they want to learn more about you, learn more about Pyramid Analytics? Um, Don't learn about me. It's scary. But learn about Pyramid Analytics. Go to our website for sure, www.pyramidanalytics.com. There's a plethora of information. There's some great use cases and case studies that you can learn more about. Our YouTube channel certainly is a place where you can learn more about the product itself and catch some great interviews like Kate. Kate's over there on my screen. Kate interviewing Omri Cole and listening to some of our executives and finding out more about the power of our platform. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for a very fun and engaging session. Uh, It's truly been a pleasure chatting with you and uh, having this live session. And absolutely thank you for the audience for the very engaging conversation on the chat. It always helps us when you're asking questions and leaving comments. Uh, because this is why we're doing it live. Otherwise, this would have been a 20-minute pre-recorded polished session. But you're not here for a polished session. You're here to hear, you know, Chris talk about his Batman costume. So this is what we did. <laughs> thank you, Kate. And thank you, audience. Thanks, everybody. Um, it's been a pleasure to be part of this. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yes, me too. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week. I will see you all on- online. Thank you so much for listening to the dedicated on-air podcast. We really hope you'll come back for more episodes. And until then, stay dedicated.